Well, my name is Marie Sufert, and my wife's name was Mary Siglevich. And uh, she was, um, I think she was about 51 or 52 when we met, and I was in my late 40s, 48 or 49. So we were together for 20 years, roughly, and uh, we married in, we started to live together in 2001, and uh, we married in 2008 in Yarmouthport, and um, she passed away on January 5th, 2017. Um, did you want me to say anything? Else? Oh yeah, no, and that was a sudden event. That was when she was having a cardiac catheterization, so it was an unexpected event, yes. right? At it age was seventy-one, unexpected. We had moved to Florida. We what what our plan was was we had planned on a very long cruise. We were going to go on a cruise to the South Seas uh, for thirty days, and then come back and come back from California down to. Uh, Fort Lauderdale through the Panama Canal, and uh, that would have been about 50 days altogether. And uh, so we sold our house, our condo on Cape Cod, and bought a small place here in Florida so that we would have a base to, to have these cruises from during the winter. So this was going to be just a winter place temporarily until we decided what we wanted to do now that we were both fully retired. And one of the things that um, was suggested before we left Cape Cod, we both saw a cardiologist because I have a problem with my carotid artery and Marriott had some um, history of blockages in the past. So they suggested that we find a cardiologist uh, down here and uh, follow up on some tests, like a stress test. So um, we went to um, cardiologist and the, we, Mary went for the stress test and um, she failed it. So the next step was a cardiac catheterization. And uh, it was treated very lightly by the doctors. I remember the doctors saying, because we had had a plan to go to Disney World <clears throat> the next week. And I said, well, maybe we should cancel that. And he said, oh no, she'll be fine. You know, don't cancel it. So, okay, you know, so I, it was, we didn't think much about it. You know, and she'd had one seven years before and had no problems with it. So it was completely unexpected. And um, I remember being in the hospital and I knew something was bad was happening. But um, in the meantime, a friend of mine from the Cape, just out of the blue, called me while I was in the hospital and I told her what was happening. And then I called my, my daughter, Christine, and, and uh, then Mary passed away. After some difficulty, you know, they kept saying, well, she was stable and that she wasn't stable. and then. Now, uh, now, how did you know that you were suffering? Done. How did, that was a very shocking experience. How did you know yes. that you were suffering yes. from traumatic stress? And how did you find the LGBT grief support group? I didn't know that's what I was suffering from. I just knew I was suffering. You know, when you have a loss like that, you realize, you know, you know, oh my God, this is horrible. You know, you're, you know, it's a terrible thing. It's, uh, you know, but I, I did get some kind of clues that there was something more than the grief going on because I remember my daughter being here and, and we were watching TV and we put on um, called Midwife, which I like that show. and. But I couldn't watch it because all of a sudden, as soon as they shifted to anybody in a doctor's, uh, you know, whatever these doctors and nurses wear, I couldn't watch it. 
I got too scared. Mm -hmm. I get scared is the only thing I can think of. And I began to have, uh, you know, because I'd be sitting out on my lanai here, and one of the neighbors would come over or something, and I wouldn't see her come over, and she'd knock on the door, and I would jump a foot. You know, I was very jumpy. Um, and I was, it was very difficult for me to drive. I couldn't drive anywhere. So it wasn't until I went to see my doctor in, uh, on the Cape, because I wouldn't go to the doctor. I had a couple of things lined up to have done, and I canceled them all. So that was another indication that I was frightened or scared. So, um, oh, sorry about that. That's not supposed to happen. Um, no, so, so then you... That's sorry. That's, no. oh. It's supposed to be do not stir. But uh, anyway, um, so when I went to see Patty Fader, she's the one who told me that I was having anxiety, because I did have an anxiety attack too, and she's the one who talked about post-traumatic stress. And, uh, and how did you find out? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go, no, you go, ahead. you go ahead. So how did you find out about the support group that was, that was particularly for members I, of the LGBT community? And how did that help you? I um, I had been, Mary and I had taken a course, uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction course. I think it was in 2014. Um, that was uh, offered free of charge. Normally you have to pay for it, but it was free of charge through the Fenway uh, Institute in Boston, and it was run by a man named Bob Linska. He's, uh, I think, he's the vice president of the um, LGBT aging project that they have at the Fenway Institute. So he came, and there were about eight of us who did this MBSR group, and it was for senior uh, LGBT people. So, um, when it, and you know you become friendly with these people and Bob had, had heard about Mary and Mary and I had continued the group we started a meditation group when that stopped Mary and I and some other friends that were in that group uh, started a, a group every two weeks at the elder services offices in South Dennis and uh when and then we of course moved here and then when Bob heard about Mary he called me and said it's been too long since there was a grief group on Cape Cod and he asked me when I was coming back and I told him you know mid-May and uh, so he he actually arranged it uh, and it was sponsored by the Fenway Institute at the uh, Orleans Council on Aging. And then you also attended one in Barnstable. Um, that was just this past May, right? Yeah. Yes. That and was then when I got back to Florida, I did come to the grief group that's here at the community. They run it every year, January to um, April, the long one. Um, but it's it's not. It's a very heavily based Christian group. So, and it's an evangelical Christian group. It was good to go. I met a few people, some women, mostly women go. Um, some women that I've been friendly with since then, you know, would play golf with, etc. Um, I didn't find, I found the group somewhat helpful, um, but uh, not as much as the LGBT thing because, and they were very nice. No one was, you know, the least bit put off by the fact that I, I talked about my wife and then, you know, I'm gay. They, didn't seem put off, but um, it, it wasn't, the material wasn't what I needed. 
And what was it about the LGBT groups that were so particularly helpful? Grief is a universal experience, but there are some commonalities about being in the LGBT community. What? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, we have a... I think many of us, especially those of us who reach this, you know, four score and ten um, or thereabouts, we have a long, complicated life. And it's not always about, you know, you have a husband, you're married for 50 years, he dies. We're, it's a lot more complicated for most of LGBT people. Very often, some of us have husbands in the past, men and husbands in the past, lesbians. Men will sometimes have a wife that they've been divorced from. Sometimes you're close to your mother. Sometimes you're, you have very close friends who pass. So we tend to have complicated histories that it isn't easily understood by someone who doesn't have that kind of background. You know, one husband, kids, that's it. You know, but we often will have had multiple partners, people that we were close to, and it could be, you know, there was one person in the group who had had a husband she was divorced from, and she had a partner, and she, um, she came to the group when the husband died, the ex-husband, and she put it well in that she, she said she had a place to talk about this where it was not always understood by other people, that she had a very deep relationship with this man and she was grieving. So she was able to bring that to the group and she was able to talk about it and, and people understood what she was talking about. And you've also talked about the phenomenon of once you're widowed of uh, of coming out of having to come out of the closet again because you yeah. people would see you with your wife and know you were a couple and they but this isn't so obvious now. Right, so that that's hard, and that's something I face a lot. And uh, it was my my identity was obvious. My identity as a lesbian was obvious when Mary was alive. We were obviously a couple, you know, I don't think anybody had any doubt, although occasionally would people would ask us if we were sisters, so <laughs> we had to say no, because that was the first assumption that, you know, and she would say no, Mary usually answered, she would say, no, we're married, and then I would say to each other, so <laughs> it was kind of like a running gag, and really, honestly, we did not look alike, except that we were both older women. And we had gray hair, but we didn't bear any resemblance to each other, I didn't think. So um, we always wondered what people saw when they looked at us to think that we were sisters. So, but when, now that I'm alone, it, it's, it's assumed, I imagine, by uh, most, the vast majority of people in the world, that I'm a straight woman and that I'm widowed from a man. And I can understand that, that they would think that, because they're not thinking like I am. Well, I wonder if this woman is gay. You know, that that doesn't enter their minds at all. You know, they just think I'm a woman. So that my identity has to constantly be exposed to them if I I don't want to pretend. And I don't want to pretend. I want to be who I am. And And I want them to know who I am. And that the loss I had was very significant. Right, you mentioned the number one relationship. Another thing yeah. that you had talked about was that, you know, people 
from the LGBT community, community often have, you know, older people, especially in the community, have a yes. legacy of, um, you know, stress and trauma from the past, rejection. Yes. Uh, same-sex yes. marriage was legalized in Massachusetts in 2004, but it wasn't uh, the, the U.S. Supreme Court didn't ban it in all state that uh, didn't ban uh, restrictions on gay marriage until 2015 and there were people could lose housing they could lose jobs they could lose custody if they were out of the closet tell me a little bit about how that has all come up we you know with the loss of mary you know what i mean how things from the past have co- has that brought up issues from the past with mary's loss yeah um, you know just the grieving well, process if that brought up you know other right, grief right. just from the past just from Yes, I Your lived experiences during the, the, the AIDS epidemic, and I, I was actually in therapy at that point. I was in uh, uh, group uh, group therapy, and um, I went to therapy because my partner at that time and I were having some issues, and we went to couples counseling, and then, uh, and I had therapy too. It was like sort of like the therapy decade, but um, I remember being in the group, and um, this man I knew died, and I, I remember t- talking about it and saying, he died, we're dying, you know, meaning gay people, and this is in the early 90s, and I said, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Nobody even notices. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's just one more gay person dead. And I really felt that, and I felt that very, very deeply, and I remember she, to the point where I sort of broke down in therapy. And I could see that there were no other gay people in the therapy group. Um, I could see that they didn't really understand what I was talking about. And I really meant they don't see us. They look at us and they being society. They look at us, but they don't see us. And it's causing us to die. This idea of not being seen, I think, was the thing that affected me so much. And I think that's when I talk about uh, Mary not being with me, is that I'm not being seen. Right. But that may be true for all widows, and it might be true for many older women. (laughs) We aren't being seen. But this was on a deeper level. This was on a level of, you're not being seen and you're not being cared for. And because of that, you may die. Right. And now, and you said that you would like to see sort of an ongoing support, grief support groups for the LGBT community as there yeah. are for the, like the general population, which of course LGBT people can, you know, do take part in, but you yeah. would like to see this sort of an ongoing thing here on the Cape. I would. I would like to see, to see at least four groups a year for LGBT people, but that doesn't mean that we should not also think about everyone who has a loss. And it, we're now, the baby boomer generation is, is passing. Every day, thousands of us die. And there is really no concerted effort to care for the people who are left. Mm-hmm. And we talk about grief counseling, and I think we should stop using that term and call it grief care. Hmm. Yeah. Because the loss of a partner, a husband, a wife, or any significant loss, it's not just an emotional loss. It isn't. That it be, it's a physical loss. It's a financial loss. It's it's a spiritual loss. And unless you're 
really tied into a caring family and a good spiritual life and a good financial life. This can be the death of you when something like this happens. Mm-hmm. And there's no care for it. There's no insurance that you can take that says, I need care now mm-hmm. for this. And it's not just emotional, it's physical too. Mm-hmm. And Very much so physical. <clears throat> And the um, Barnstable Adult Community Center will be hosting another LGBT uh, grief support group starting this spring and in April. And this is also with a grant from the Fenway Institute. So they are, um, this is for the second year in a row that they will be running this program. And Mary, I thank you so much and have a great day.